Welcome to episode two of Where Do We Go From Here, a podcast about the creative industries and how they have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic. My name is Alice, and today we are speaking to the wonderful William Jupp. Will is a drummer from West London with a ton of strings to his musical bow. So keep listening for his perspective on learning an instrument in this pandemic, some absolute ramblings and complete speculation about what on earth might happen next. uh well yeah okay but obviously it there's certain things that absolutely suck at the moment isn't there so um overall i can't like i suppose most people will say this but i I can't complain because everyone that i care about is healthy um i'm fine and that it at the moment i suppose that's the most important thing right yeah of course it is but like (laughs) it's one of those things you can't complain but you really just want to complain yeah um and i'm sure we will (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably but it's it's not like we're angry but you are sort of angry in the sense of (sighs) like just why why is this happening now and like we're of a similar age where you're getting to that point where you're starting to get your foot in, you're starting to get those jobs you want that you've been mm. working for for your like whole t- time in the music world, however long that may be. And then to have it just shut down in front of you, it's like, oh, okay, I've just opened the gates and then someone's yeah. put like a dench as hell padlock on it. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. For want of a better term, like that's all I can yeah. feel. Like you've just got in and then you find there's this massive like lock just like oh come on shaking these gates like just let me in (laughs) to build on that analogy it's a bit like having a padlock on it that has a a countdown timer but the countdown timer just keeps going one 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 (laughs) and you just don't know when it's going to go to zero so close to something and you're feeling so like hopeful and it's oh yeah (laughs) don't even get me started i could go on for hours (laughs) um yeah, so how have you found the teaching work has helped? Because I know a lot of musicians, myself included, have started to semi-rely on the teaching, like, because yeah. it's the only thing you can do. You're still providing a service to people. How has that been? Have Have you seen, like, as lockdown has decreased a de- decline in students, or has it been a pretty constant thing, or an increase in the lockdown, anything like that at all? Uh, well, I said to myself at the, at the start of lockdown, I saw a lot of, um, obviously I've, being a drummer, I follow a lot of drummers and stuff, but, uh, I saw a lot of people like saying, oh, hey, I, I'm now a teacher. Right. And it's like, well, I, all I, of a sudden I, yeah. I appeared as a teacher yeah. and it, and it's frustrating as a, you know, I'm, uh, I was listening to a podcast with, uh, Mike Johnston, who's literally you type in online drum lessons and he's, his, his thing is, is there. So, and he's been doing it for, I think like 17 years. Um, I've been teaching for about eight, I think. And um, it was, you know, something that I started at, at uni and then by de- by teaching with like the council through, I don't know, five or six different schools and then having a bunch of bunch of different uh, private teachers and uh, private uh, students, sorry. And now I, I just do private students. So for me, it's been something that I've been building up and semi-relying on for, for a number of years. And Mike Johnson said a good thing and he was like, well, you know, now suddenly everybody is a teacher and not everyone in my opinion um is qualified to be a teacher not just because they're good you know it doesn't mean just because you're a good drummer or you've got really good experience or you've played with certain people or you've been on massive tours doesn't mean you're going to be necessarily a good teacher um however mike said something good that i think is a really fair thing he said look like for once you know, all of the best drummers in the world are at home and a lot of them are offering Skype lessons. Go and get a lesson with them, but they're not going to be mm-hmm. your teacher, right? They're going to be someone that you can go and you can ask questions and get some really good knowledge for, which is how I think is fair. To yeah, there's approach. definitely every person who has been a musician, no matter what level, will have some experience that they can pass on. Yeah. There's always something you can gain from someone else. And also everyone that's in this this horrible boat of corona, we'll call it, Um <laughs> the good ship corona, bad ship corona, um, has had to think, okay, what can I do? And a lot of musicians' fail-safes will be as a, okay, this is a good way to still earn something and still use my musical skills in a positive way. So 
I'm going to put my eggs in that basket for the time being. But so it probably helped you having your eggs already in that basket. So you didn't have to grow as no, much, would yeah. you say? Uh, definitely. And that, that was how I wanted to approach it. I knew that I knew that everybody was going to be saying, right, I'm doing drum lessons, I'm doing drum lessons. And there'd be an influx of people who are interested in learning, you know, uh, music in one way or another. Um, just because they got, you know, a lot of people have a lot of time. Uh, uh, however, uh, the thing that I didn't want to do was like capitalize on that and be like, right, um, I'm going to boost all my advertising. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to, going to try and pick up another, you know, 10 students or whatever. I just didn't think that was, uh, I wanted to do what I'm doing, focus on, focus on the students that I have, that I've been working with, you know, some of them have been with me from a start and, you know, just try and keep that kind of level of consistency there, um, which has been relatively easy. Most most students were pretty comfortable just moving to Skype, and I'd been able to offer Skype lessons for a while anyway because I've been doing them privately for my my lessons. Yeah, I have a feeling that teaching was kind of moving in a Skype direction or or a Zoom or whatever platform you use, but um, the the virus coming in definitely sort of accelerated it so maybe yeah. to a point when we weren't quite ready for it but um yeah. I, I do agree that yes uh, it's accelerated it my opinion was that i needed to create like uh, people were offering like oh, i'm offering you know fully mic'd drum kits multiple angles all this kind of stuff and if i'm honest i did that for about a week mm -hmm. or two weeks maybe and uh, and now i sit with my laptop behind i'm behind a piano actually as a drum teacher because i base my teaching yeah i know thank you um I could occasionally be like, ding, there's a note for you. Um, not that I'm, I teach piano at all, but you get the idea. So I'm, I've kind of moved, and occasionally I'll move over to the drum kit, plug in my overhead camera angle, and I'm not even miking up the kit anymore because I've, I found, A, it was really uncomfortable like wearing headphones for like six hours in a day uh, if I'm doing mm. a bunch of teaching back to back. Um, but also, I just found the, my method of teaching anyway is, is to is discussion based and, and uh, you know, talking through problems and making them think about it rather than just, hey, look at me play loads of drums, um, yeah. which doesn't fit. That's my personal opinion anyway. But I think, yeah, coming back to that point of people kind of uh, having a massive influx of sudden, sudden drum teachers, uh, I think like Dave Weckl, right? Um, he started offering some kind of drum lessons. Legend! My point, exactly. There's going to be things... We hope you're listening, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he is. I'm sure he is. Um, but there's, Yeah. There's going to be things... I, I, I would like to think there'll be things that Dave will say um, that I can't, right? <laughs> and, oh, good pal, Dave. Uh, yeah, good pal, Dave. <laughs> and... Uh, so I'm I'm comfortable saying to any of my students, look, suddenly you can get a lesson from Dave Weckl. Go and pay him for an hour mm -hmm. and ask him some questions and then come back and we can work through some of the material and talk through that. Because, again, that's not what I do. I don't just do one-off lessons, which a lot of those kind of teachers do. And I, I do that as a student. Um, I've had lessons, you know, I, I fluctuate between loads of different teachers because they all have different approaches. Um, and I think at this level you want to find okay this teacher specializes in this you know i'm going to this guy just to learn about ableton i'm going to this guy to learn about technique i'm learning, going to this guy to learn about entrepreneurial things or whatever and i think that's kind of it's that's that's how i would approach the kind of influx of new teachers anyway well, it's that when you're at that level of specialising, yeah, I completely get it. For someone just starting out, it's probably a bit overwhelming with this influx of yeah. teachers, probably all promoting themselves on Facebook, Google, whatever. Um, I, I know I've certainly done it um, mm. with the limited income I've had. Um, <laughs> I've certainly um, put myself out there maybe more than I had before. I'd always been a teacher, but I definitely hadn't pushed it as much as I have yeah. been. Um, so all these new students who maybe just want to learn a simple four to the floor beat or a couple of different styles, maybe a reggae beat and then something with triplets in or, or don't even know what they want to learn. Are probably just looking at all these like, like a big gallery of drum teachers, like hmm. great. Especially now that distance isn't something that's even coming into people's heads. I lost a lot of students last year because they were miles and miles and miles away. And I was like, Oh, we could, we could go on zoom or we could go on Skype. Um, but now and sorry and before people were like nah i don't i don't yeah. want to do that whereas now they're just like we will not travel to you um yeah, yeah exactly and it's it's, it's got to be there has definitely be 
been sorry some difficulty in trying to convince people that an online lesson doesn't have any less value i don't know if you've found yeah. anything like that a hundred percent so i remember pre-lockdown i was talking to my current students and being like look this is what's going to happen in the event of if we go into a lockdown i'm going to move to skype lessons i would like you to continue um because it, obviously being my main form of income i needed to keep as much fit possible uh, going as possible and they all yeah, appreciate and also that. you've got the rela relationship with the student and exactly. you want to see them progress you don't want it to come out of lockdown and then them feel so disheartened they're like i can't do it yeah. anymore or whatever it is it's, it's Especially if you now consider that we've been in it for whatever it is, seven or eight, you know, six months or whatever it is. So it feels like a lifetime, but <laughs> it, it, does. it feels like it feels like the norm now, which is very strange. And I'm not um, sure I like that. <laughs> so, uh, what was my point now? Damn you! I broke um, Will. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm. So yeah. Oh, that's what you were saying. Is there a difference between? Or people having that kind of opinion of Skype doesn't work, and especially as drum lessons, mm. like they were like, "Oh, you know, drum lessons are very hard to capture on that." And I was like, "But I'm talking to you most of the time, right? You, we're asking you questions, to to, aren't we? Yeah. Most of the time, they're not even looking at the damn screen. I have one student that his kit's facing the other way, and he just listens to me essentially. And like, as long as I can see roughly and hear what he's doing, then it's fine, and it works." Um, and I have a couple of students, I'm kind of now, because of the facility that I have and stuff, I'm able to control it enough to be able to put the right measures in place to have some students come back. And yes. to be honest, even with saying to all of them, you're more than welcome to come back, I have about 50-50 now. So there's mm -hmm. some people that are like, do you know what, this just works for us. And it means that we, you know, don't have snow days or oh, we're feeling my mum's under the weather so she can't snow drive Snow days, sorry. As a complete Southern fairy, snow days just aren't a thing to me. <laughs> I'm like, like, I have the perception of, oh, it's just snow. But I'm sure if it happened like an actual snow day to me, because I've only seen snow a few times in my life at all. So I'm sure if a full on snow day happened to me, I'd probably be one of those people who is inside crying, just like, it's, where's the baby? <laughs> beans it's an apocalypse yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah i can't even fathom that <laughs> yeah a lot of the time especially weekly students there is always an excuse for someone not to do something and i'm the same like you know if i was having oh, a yeah. weekly lesson or something i'm like oh i can't make it this week because i stubbed my toe three days ago and it's really uncomfortable to walk i'm like but you're learning piano so but anyway so so yeah so i, I think it's been overall like teaching wise has been has been fairly consistent luckily most of my students have kind of carried on and um the council that i work with have been really like generous of being i don't know if we still are now back in september but the saturday school they were still paying us as if we were at the saturday school which was really well, great, that's and great. That's and massively helped yeah so. companies that have done that i feel like there's a lot to be said about them like positive things that they have the faith in the people and also in what's going on that okay we we haven't got any work but we're still going to pay you because you know, you've done the work before, um, it's been consistently good, and yeah. we have faith that when things come back, you will continue in this way. So kudos to you, obviously, but also I have a lot of admiration for companies that are able to do that. Oh, massively, yeah. And I think, uh, do you do any work with the council or your local councils or anything? <laughs> no, I've moved too much. <laughs> oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, well, I don't know if, um, yeah, it seemed to be, I think it's because of the council, because it's a council job, technically a council job, Um that they've they have a budget that that's just there so you know regardless lockdown no lockdown that budget is kind of going to be there to be able to pay people um so that yeah that's been really helpful but well, that's, that's kind of nice yeah. to actually see that that provision is set aside like there is like obviously everyone hears from government like there is an arts provision and everything like that but very few of us actually see it so it is nice to hear that okay it might not be coming to me but it is <laughs> It's going to a pal, so that's okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, it, it is being used. And in this time, it's being used to keep musicians such as yourself afloat, whereas obviously normally mm. it's used to provide a service. And that service will continue. It's not a service that's just going to just disappear. Yeah, definitely. Now, on a completely different note, before we started recording, you were talking to me about this one theatre gig. It was a madness theatre show that you really, really were looking forward to. Yeah. Having that theatre then theatre thing then just taken away and possibly at the time we thought maybe three or four months of work. How yeah. naive we were. How how did that um sort of sit with you? How did that make you feel? What was your gut reaction kind of thing? Because I'll tell you what uh, again, I did. I got a bottle yeah. of wine and a cake. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is this is what's happening. I'm just gonna sit with it for a bit. 
so yeah i i think naively i was like okay so this is gonna be because originally like boris came out and was like right uh we're hoping this is going to be three weeks three fucking he weeks did, he did not um, say it was going to be three weeks oh, it was a, it was an damn. optimistic statement but there had always i'm not defe- defending anyone here sorry this is not a political debate <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, it was an optimistic thing. Like we could be out three weeks. It was like, but yeah. we expect the peak to last three months. But that yeah. was definitely put as like an undertone. Like we expect it to be like this, but don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, that's what I mean. Like know. the amount of people that I think we just assumed naively that, and you know, we should have looked at the numbers and looked at like what was happening in China and Spain. But um, to to think, okay, right. Essentially, what we were what we were given at that point is. Okay, here's, you know, uh, uh, let's just say meeting in the middle ground, like two months of essentially a shitload of time given to you to like practice. Like, I'm out, the amount of people that are coming out and being like, mm-hmm. look, this is an amazing opportunity for you to just practice your ass off. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking practice right now. I feel like shit. I've got no, I've got no reason to practice because I have no gigs. That's the thing of practicing for purpose, isn't it? Like, I guess with. Yeah. From a singer's point of view, there's always like a new pinpoint, like I want to extend my range, I want to achieve this riff, I want to do this, I want to do that. So maybe there's a little bit more of like personal goal setting is more viable as a singer because, I don't know, there's just more specific goals. I don't know. but um, Well, I suppose it would be the the same with any, I mean, like, you know, playing faster or more, uh, you know, developing your genres and understanding of that or technique or whatever but but you want to have for, a purpose for, me, for it <laughs> uh, that, and that to be honest that's always been my my drive like i'm not and uh, it's probably the one of the biggest downfalls of me as a, as a drummer i'm not someone that can sit there for six seven hours and just practice because i love the practice unless you, you want know. to hire him in which case he'll do it guys. he would do <laughs> but it but <laughs> that's the thing right so yeah. for example like leading up to the madness gig it was like uh, I love that. Just put that in there because that makes me sound like I'm playing for madness. Um, yeah, the madness gig. <laughs> the madness gig. Um, but yeah, leading up to that, it was like okay. Normally, I might do an hour a day, you know, f- five days a week or whatever. Um, leading up to that, it was like right, I'm doing four or five hours seven days a week now to to be, mm. build up to this, and it meant that I, I knew in I knew my ability that I would, again, turn up to that band call and absolutely blitz apart because I'd put the time in. And that's how I work as a practicer. I'm like, keep my keep my practice going and then an opportunity arises or I work or I'm working towards a specific opportunity and I work my ass off mm-hmm. um, to make sure that I am well over-prepared for, you know, day one. Um, and for me, like, that's that's been the, the hardest-hitting thing for me. I've got a, a lesson with... Uh, you know Pete Riley um, on Legend. Monday. Legend, we love you, Pete. Yeah, uh, I've got a lesson with him to be like, just tell me what to practice <laughs> and help yeah. me like figure out. Give my me practice some guidance, kind of yeah. thing. So now, a lot of my practice before lockdown would be preparing tunes for function work that I had coming up. What's your kind of experience in the function world? I felt like last year, like function band work was something that I always used to, and anyone that's at college, do never, ever, ever, ever take function work as something bullshit that you don't have to do because it's so Oh, important. my God. I remember going through a phase at uni just going, I don't want to be a function singer. That's not uh, yeah. me. And I look back that. at that person. <laughs> not even I'm too good for that. Just that's not my thing. I remember yeah. saying it to my mum, just being like, that's not for me. And she's like, okay cool she has no understanding of the music industry but she has more now she's probably knows it better than i do because i speak so darn much about it becomes an obsession i swear um but yeah and i just remember going i it's not for me it's not me i don't have to do that i'm gonna do something else and then like coming back it's so integral it's like it's like it's not like the day job it's it has consistency and it's such a valuable service as well. Like, yeah. And it's not well, like a terrible thing. Like, I don't mind going to a wedding and seeing everyone having an amazing time and me getting to sing some songs I hate, but some songs I love. Like, exactly. Like, I, I think, and it's not only that, it's, you know, coming back to what we talked about a minute ago of not knowing where your opportunities are going to come from. Like, who, like, you could be on a function gig with, with one person that gives you your work for the rest of your life. 
And yeah, you just don't know. You just don't, you really don't know. And and how else are you going to like? It's the one of the easiest ways, bar kind of potentially jam nights and stuff like that, to mm -hmm. get up on in front of a crowd and be paid to play with other musicians. And not yeah. only that, but to play a such a massive range of music that one minute you need to sound like Stevie Wonder's drummer, the next minute you need to sound like Bruno Mars's drummer, right? Yeah. So it's a hugely skilled job, even though often it's looked at as just I uh, just play at weddings. But it, it can like, be. Which is like, not how it should be looked at. No, and, and I think that's the difference between people that like cut it on the music on the function band scene and the people that don't. The people that actually can find enjoyment from it. And I, I'm sure, you know, if I did it for ten years and I did, you know, three gigs a week. The same all set year, list, everything. Same yeah. set list. I'm sure, you know, I, I'm pretty bored of summer of sixty nine now. I would be But Brian you know, if Adams, if you're song. out there. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. So anyway, so I, I think for for me at least, I spent a long time at, at college being like maybe similar to yourself, of being like, ah, it's not for me. Or before I even before I went to college, I'd played in a lot of like covers bands, just as a you know a young you know kid growing up and playing lots of pubs, mm. gigs, and stuff like that. So I I felt like I'd done it, and the next step was you know theatre work or pop industry work and all that kind of stuff. Little did I know how important that function stuff was. So last year, or for once I once I clicked onto that a couple of years ago, I was like, right, function gig is I need some more money playing as a drummer, um, not just teaching as a drummer. Um, I'm gonna push into function work. Uh like tripled the amount of gigs that I did. So it was that 20 so 2018 versus 2019, like tripled the amount of gigs, easily tripled the amount of gigs that I did and was so excited for 2020 being like, I just started working with a bunch of different agencies, had played in a load of different bands that were like, oh yeah, we'll get you back, we'll get you back. There'll be loads of stuff next, you know, May. And- uh, <laughs> Oh my like, God. <laughs> and so for me, and like, uh, have I done, I don't think I've done a gig this year. And it was like, Ow. that's yeah. just, it makes me miss like gigging so much more. Mm. And, See, and had, that was really difficult. Yeah. yeah, I had thrown myself very much into the function scene and trying to get in the session world and things like that. So I've been doing the, the choirs and things like that for quite a while. And I've only, <laughs> oh God, like how many gigs have I had? I don't know, it's it's less than 10, like definitely less than 10. And by this point, I think we'd all be on like at least the mid-50s kind of level. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. For, for me, like, so, you know, I, I wasn't, I've not, I've never been like a super, super busy function drummer. And, and it, it felt like the start of being a busy function drummer. Like, I, I feel like, you know, last year I'd done however many gigs, I can't, I can't remember how many, it certainly wasn't enough. like. Enough. I, I did, I did <laughs> enough that I felt like I was progressing, right? And that's, yeah. that's the difference we can get into the kind of thought about your progression and stuff at some point. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's it felt like 2020 is going to be an integral year for like not uh, only 2020 is my gigs. year <laughs> yeah. and i mean i've been saying that since 20 zero 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 <laughs> but um really like really? optimistic yeah no uh well for you know coming out of uni and stuff i've been saying right this year is gonna be my year and, and so on so it yeah did feel integral but purely because i based it on you know progression and i thought well i did you know enough last year that i would got some connections and so on so mm. that has been a massive hit and and really upsetting to like not be gigging and, and doing the thing that i had started working for and now i feel like i'm backing that position pre-cruise ship with us of being like all i'm doing is teaching yeah like the important thing is to say right well i'm assuming that i'm not going to have any gigs so what am i going to do instead of that and i don't want to be moping around Bit saying oh there's no gigs i'm just going to wait till there's gigs mm -hmm. i want to push you know things that are in my control and it has made me reassess a couple of things that i need to do and maybe like you said you know reassess your decisions and things and think about okay well in the new world because even even let's say that there is a post covid even that is going to be so different to what if, we know. What do you mean, pre. if? <laughs> <laughs> when? Well, yeah. When? 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 Hopefully. Yeah, when? We'll say when. Yeah, so, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm no scientist. I can't predict what's going to happen. Obviously, I'd like to think there will be a bit more of a semblance of normality 
in the not so distant future but yeah. that is again an optimistic slant um well having a take... biochemistry degree and and spending 17 years you know studying actually just covid myself um Shut up, Will. It, it does Shut up. it does say that uh what is it september 21st is the day that covid will stop existing i almost believed you you know i thought you were some <laughs> kind of prodigy and i got it so misleading so misleading it didn't take me that long to do it i just did an online course like what no one can see right now is i'm looking at you through zoom with the most disgusted mm. expression i could possibly fathom um, mm. <laughs> Yeah, and everyone's an expert, of course. I'm openly saying I'm not, so please quote oh, me. I am not an expert. Um, but I, on the other hand. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Ruining the flow of this. <laughs> um, I mean, there definitely have been positives that have come out of COVID, and like, I can't say that everything's been like negative, negative, negative. Yeah. Um, there are definitely worse things that could have happened like in the world. <laughs> Mm. But um, in the grand scheme of things, this is certainly the worst thing I've had to encounter. Um, and finding the positives is great. So like taking the time to sort of assess and look at, okay, what can I do? What is it about me? And also having the time away from the industry to go, did I need to do that? Like I was working 16, 18 hour days thinking that's what I needed to do to keep myself afloat. Like thinking, oh, I'm doing this and this is the bare minimum. And then I stood away and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go until I find something. I need to go on universal credit until I like until this all comes back. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Um, but really, when I then sat back and was like, OK, what work can I do from home? OK, there's a little bit. Oh. I have loads of time to invest in other things that I've been wanting to do for ages, but also looking at stuff that I wasn't necessarily enjoying and going okay, I've been doing that for three years and I had no need to do any of that. All I was gaining mm -hmm. was money. Yeah, I mean, that kind and of And as much as money does give you happiness and a sense of self-worth, which is a horrible thing to say, but if you are, if you have more money, well, you feel a, like... A certain amount of money does, yeah. You yeah. Know, there's a lot of studies out there to be... And uh, there's a couple of... Uh, I'll give you uh, a wreck if you want. Um oh, there's a There's a... Uh, I've... Uh, anyone out there that likes him also um a guy called darren brown probably know him he's a really famous magician. i thought you were saying like him also was an act or something like the name of an act and i was like nope never heard him of them oh. <laughs> anyone who's heard of him also yeah so darren brown yeah <laughs> oh uh, darren brown he, he brought out a book uh i think it was a year ago um or i read it last year so it must be a year and a half old um called happy and he talks about that kind of um you know income and earning loads of money and stuff and there is a you, you you need enough money to be comfortable but past that point your happiness won't improve mm. and for me at least it you know I, I felt like I was more or less at that point of being like I'm relatively comfortable with what I'm currently earning but I was also looking at the flip side of that of being like you were and you're saying well I spent so much time on this one thing that's not actually making me happier and um I mm -hmm. think there's a there's definitely needs to be a balance between you know, every, like yes, I'd I'd absolutely love to be you know a billionaire, being able to just do what the fuck I want. But at the same time, if if that if you, that means like, uh, yeah, probably. I, yeah, I, I think per personally, I, I I've always had it in my mind of being like I want to earn good money, and that's why I'm. I mean, I'm, and obviously, it's it's a privilege being able to do that through music. Like, it is well, a privilege yeah. being able to do that. But then to have it taken away is just like. It's just yeah. devastating, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> sounding I, I so think, dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think uh, that's yeah, it's a great book, and he talks about some good stuff in there about like how to think about money, but also uh, like success within a career, and how we have this perception of like unless you are doing something that you love doing, you're not a successful person. And I think you can still have a very successful and fulfilling life um, by doing a really crappy day job that allows you to, you know, have a family that you love and go on some lovely holidays and do some things that, in your spare time. In turn, know? is that person's purpose? Like some people have their priorities on different exactly. things. Like So getting back to the whole using the time that we have now. So we've all been given this hella more time because we don't have gigs. We don't have to drive to the Cotswolds or something and then drive back and get, get in at <laughs> four in the morning and pretend mm. that we love the journey 
We don't have to do any of that. We don't have to prep for any gigs because there aren't any. I mean, I've definitely started doing some things for free, but what other stuff have like you been doing to either fill your time or to make money or to just keep yourself going? Like what kind of stuff has it been for you? Uh, something I, f- I feel pretty passionately about and I am sort of focusing on at the moment um, but have semi been focusing on for a very long time that I've just been trying to push and has helped me kind of reassess things and has been helping me through this is essentially like planning and productivity. Um, I'm not not a person to be like one of those cliche, super duper positive, just believe in yourself, ask the universe for what you want and it comes to you, all that kind of Inspirational bullshit. quotes on the wall kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. My walls like, are nice and blank. Other than not not um, shutting down any people who do that. If that works for you, then you do you. Please be you. Yeah. People talk about like how anxiety is like a really, really bad thing. And in fact, again, going back to that book, um, read it because he talks about how if you didn't have anxiety, you wouldn't you wouldn't know what you're doing wrong or you wouldn't know what yeah, you need to work um, towards. Well anxiety has been a huge thing with COVID. Like um the amount like the levels of mental health issues that have surfaced from being yeah. shut inside being isolated being unable to do the things you love being financially not as secure as you thought you were and things like that obviously mental health cases have skyrocketed with anxiety probably being at the top again not a mental health professional <laughs> just assuming anxiety is going to be pretty high i know i've definitely sat in my bed feeling like I'm having an anxiety attack because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my rent next month. Obviously, I've been fine, which has been lovely. But and there's definitely a lot of preempted anxiety. Like Mm. um, I recently lost a job. I'm still like I'm getting my redundancy pay. But I'm already looking like, okay, so I've got redundancy pay. That's this month covered. But what the hell am I going to do in the future? And I've already got this like residual anxiety. Like, how am I going to get there? which maybe isn't necessary. Sorry, back to your point. I went on a tangent. Yeah. No, no, it's fine because you make a valid point that of of being like that is you know the real world situation of being like a, a being like a freelance position, mm. um, but you will come across those things. And uh, but yeah, whether it, anxiety is a bad thing is an interesting thing to look at. It's not something I've actively thought about. I've always seen anxiety, poor mental health, bad, 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 bad. Um, gives you muscular stress and things. <laughs> Well, you don't want too much anxiety, right? You don't want it to be anxiety ridden with that, and and that is, you know, generally a again not a mental health profession, like you said, but you don't want that to be all your mind goes towards. However, to take yes. anxiety out of it means that you you no longer have that drive to do better or to mm-hmm. you know if if I was again coming back to that just because it's very prominent in my mind coming back mm-hmm. to that. Um, that uh, madness show if i if i didn't feel anxious about not being able to provide the best level of quality of work i would have not practiced i would have practiced a quarter of the amount that i'd done and i would have fucked it up mm-hmm. because i wasn't anxious about making sure i do it right and in my opinion that's a healthy drive of being like i can feel that i need to do more and it makes me work harder so i think it's it is it is a good thing but you need to work with it yeah and- you can't let it get to the point where it then becomes counter well counterproductive so it's like oh i'm really anxious i'm not going to be able to do it oh my god i'm not going to be able to do not it and do then it. that's yeah. not going to do it yeah, yeah. which is it's that, very difficult to find the line i think definitely and that's the biggest thing that i've always tried to do is be like I, i'm fortunate enough to to grow up in a situation where my parents were very much like uh you know oh you don't know how to do this yet go and learn and I think there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know how to do this, therefore I can't do this. And that's where that anxiety falls in. If, if you default to that position of being like, I, I, can't, I can't do this thing, therefore I'm not even going to try, that's where the anxiety can kind of, can be a definitely a yeah. detrimental thing to your... Yes, your I think that is sort of like, maybe it's come from education system or parent, I don't know where it's come from, but like I definitely had a huge anxiety if I wasn't good at something. Uh-uh. Like, you don't do it. You cannot... I don't know if that's just from being a high-functioning person where it's just like, I must be good at things. But I definitely got to a point where it was like, okay, well, if I'm not good at it, I'm not going to do it because I can't deal with the anxiety of being embarrassed about being bad at something. I I don't know if that's something about the world we live in or whatever, like... I think it's part of being a musician as well. I've spoken Mm -hmm. to a lot of people who I've spoken to. Yeah, because, you know, even coming back to Dave Weckl, um, uh, one of my previous teachers, Mike Dolber, who was a friend of Dave Weckl, um, would talk to him about that thing. Hey, Mike. And uh, he, he... 
he would talk to me about how even Dave Weckl gets nervous and even Dave Weckl doesn't think he's good enough. And you mm-hmm. think, well, oh, fuck him, he's, he's, he's good enough. He's, he's, <laughs> liar. he's good enough. Plus, liar. <laughs> yeah, liar. But you, you will always have that. And, and that mm. you need to turn that into a drive to be better and to put, put more effort in. At the same time, you can't have it just stop you in your path. However, that was a bit of a tangent on anxiety. Coming back to what you I love a tangent. And anxiety, (laughs) I think these tangents need to happen. Like, discussion needs to happen. That's kind of why I put this thing together. Discussion isn't happening among a lot of people. People are just, not to be negative about everyone, I love you all, but we're moping around. We don't know what to do. We're waiting. Like, a discussion needs to happen. Some people are starting that discussion, but it's just about being open about it all. So, yeah, tangent on anxiety. Back to the point. What was the point? Remind me. (laughs) Um, so I've always been very focused on how I can push forward with things and productivity. And I, I like to be able to look realistically at what I'm doing and have a good fair amount of planning. So I've definitely taken um, that to another level of, of planning and, and using new tools and tracking my time and all that kind of stuff, which is helpful. Two really, really great apps that I've been using for about a month now that I absolutely love um, that help you with this thing that you can look into. Um, one is called Toggle. Um, T-O-G-G-L and it's like a time tracking app so you just press a little timer you say I'm uh, practicing drums and then you put it as like a project and then you can look at your week as a as a calendar and you can see oh this week I've done said amount of time on this thing so it's like a measurable way to just so it's a way to measure measurable it's a way to mm-hmm. measure and visually see or whatever like the amount of practice and progress you're making so it's like I use it for Tangible. everything. So, yeah, it's it's a you know sometimes uh, I'm sure you feel the same. You can say I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I don't feel like I'm or I feel like I'm spending too much time on this. And uh, there were certain things that I was like, oh, I just feel like I've done so much on this this week and not enough on this. And this is a very visual, you know, exact way of being like, oh, actually, I've done 22 percent of my time on this. I spent 12. I spent 12 percent of my time doing this. And the one thing that I felt passionately about, I've spent six percent of my time doing this. Yeah, I've definitely been looking at things like that myself, but I've done it more in like a on paper trying to schedule my day. And then if I don't stick to my schedule, I'll beat myself up about it kind of thing, which I think a lot of people have done. <laughs> well, coming on to the kind of scheduling and stuff, the app that I'm kind of using for that at the moment is an app called Notion. Um, and it is essentially a note-taking app, but it's incredibly powerful. Um, there's a lot of really, really great um, YouTubers um, that are talking about how they're using Notion and how they can use it for anything from like habit trackers to um, schedulers to like just notebooks and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. A bit of a, again, another wreck for you. Um, my personal favorite YouTuber that talks about kind of productivity and stuff um, is a guy called Thomas Frank. Um and he's done a couple of videos on how he uses Notion. And so I've started implementing that into my life because before uh, pre-Notion for me um, was just using uh, Google Keep as a note system of just being like, here's this massive to-do list of stuff that I haven't done yet. Um, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today? And I'd spend, I'd just get, I'd get like stuck of being like, I'm not, I don't know what I should do today. Therefore, I don't do anything. Um, yeah, or the using... list you have is so overwhelming. You're like, I've got a mental list of 300 things. I can't do any of them. Exactly. Um, whereas with something like Notion, you can create what I do anyway is create this. And I'm pretend once I'm more confident in it, I'm eventually going to do some uh, productivity and sort of planning and self-employment videos and tutorials and stuff. Um, so look out for that in the next 10 years. And 10 years, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I might be confident about it by then. Um, but the the way that I've uh, been doing this is have like one giant master to-do list and you can add crazy, crazy amount of detail on that down to like, this is to do with music or business or this is to do with this particular project and so. so and then you can just filter it. it. Yeah, and then you just basically create filters so I can, I can go onto like my dashboard and see I've got, these are the top three projects that I'm working on. These are the things that I've completed. I think it's really important to look at the stuff that you've actually finished and you've done as well uh, because the issue with a lot of to-do lists is that you tick the box and it hides it and it's like you haven't done anything because it doesn't show you it. So I like stuff that just either crosses it out or that goes to another category of completed. So I've been really focusing on that. So I feel like that's something that's quite been, been 
it's been nice to have the time to like watch a load of YouTube videos and re-implement that kind of tool into my life. And I feel like a lot, I feel that I'm on top of things a lot more, which is good. Um, so it's definitely, that's one like really big positive thing that's kind of come out of this. I feel like I probably would have done that regardless of COVID, but it's, it's certainly been a helpful thing to have a kind of almost, uh, you know, like punch in the back to be like, you need to do something about this. Yeah, just do it, man. Just do it. Yeah. So that, that's been really good. And where has this newfound productivity cycle taken you? Because I've seen you like releasing some new stuff recently, like in the last few months. Um, just mm-hmm. chat to me. Anything you want to you want to share with the group? <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose. So if I if I was to kind of name like the main projects I'm focusing on, I suppose the, the one sort of biggest music related um creativity project is uh, a, a sort of a band it's just going to be pr- uh, purely actually like online stuff so we don't think we're actually ever going to gig but um, it's just a writing project between me and the guitarist of one of my old bands and we called a thesis that's a-t-h-e-s-i-s with a little semicolon at the end um and it's a writing project at the moment it, you if you listen to our stuff on spotify it's predominantly kind of like uh, pop metal kind of stuff but we we're also trying to push into oh we want to write a reggae track or we want to write um you know a pop track or whatever so it's just a writing project um and i've really enjoyed working with my friend on that so that's been one thing that we've been trying to push and do music videos and uh you know writing songs and things with that um then i mentioned earlier about that guy that got in contact with me from that random panto two years ago um we've been doing a couple of again similar sort of thing uh with a band um and been doing like playthroughs and stuff for that with the intention of eventually turning that into a gigging band mm-hmm. um and then i've been trying to focus on a couple of like businessy things outside of music i've been trying to put my time into me and my friend have a company that's just basically a blanket company for us to do whatever we want and invest our money in different projects and learn about the world of business that's again purely money making but also you know a skill building process of us being kind of entrepreneurial and business minded yeah i don't think as a musician you can you can get to well you can get to a certain point without having a business mind um but there will come hurdles that maybe if you'd had some business knowledge you might be like oh i can get through this rather than someone else you might be like help help yeah i think i think there's certain things that you definitely need in place an understanding of, of various different things but i think being able to distinguish the difference between kind of business and and kind of passion is really important mm-hmm. and i think they should go hand in hand but i also think you, you sometimes like a really good example is like a singer or drummer or whatever not wanting to refer to themselves as a brand and you are a brand you're 100 you're a brand because if you don't have a brand and you don't have to if you choose not to call it that you can just call it i'm an alice or i'm a william i'm an alice can, <laughs> you can say, well, what is, what is Alice? And you can re- just replace that word Alice and put brand there instead. And that is, it just pushes you into that. Okay. Well, let me think about it a little bit business minded because then you can say, you can look at your Instagram and you can think about Alice as a brand wants to be a theater musician, but Instagram says I'm a function band musician, um, or my online presence, regardless of what, what platform you're on. Um, for us musicians, most of the time it's, um, Instagram, you know, you got to think about the new world of online promotion and um, that kind of business mind can help. And it could be exactly the same thing as, you know, t- uh, taxes roll around and you got to do your tax return as a self-employed musician. And you could get absolutely screwed over by not claiming your expenses or doing it wrong and getting fined. And a lot of people get really stressed out about that. And mm-hmm. you can go down the route of paying for an accountant or you can learn to do it yourself or even negotiating, you know, a contract for a cruise ship or something of being like, I've read through your term, through the thing here and I can see all these, um, you know, little bits where you're taking your money. And I don't think that's fair. And this is, you know, yeah, whatever. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's important to have the, the hand in hand um and I think if you look at the most successful musicians, I think they will have a level of, um, you know, business headedness that they business um, uh, that a lot of people don't have. So yeah, and I think just going back very slightly on what you were saying there, back to the use of like the internet and branding. Now, obviously, that has been hugely important for 
well, within the digital world. So at least for the last 10 years, that has been a hugely important thing that has developed probably faster than we expect, expected it to. But um, I think, or I don't know, do you think that um, that idea of communicating your brand and who you are and what you want to be, back to that whole like reflecting and going, okay, what do I want to be? Do you think that's going to become more and more important as we carry on because obviously the only way we've been able to communicate is via the internet we're doing this now via the internet <laughs> um so do you think it's going to continue in that vein or do you think people might place more on in-person interactions and you know that experience i'd like to say that uh it already is that way of being online and i think uh, this will only as you said earlier will only only accelerate the kind of mm-hmm. necessity and and i think there's a lot of again you you've just seen a massive influx of people being like well i'm not i'm not touring so i'm just going to i'm going to put up a load of videos of me in my practice studio or going to do some covers or do all these things there's been so much of that which is excellent I've to see i've definitely done that right? <laughs> yeah. and and that's that's amazing to see people actually taking the time to really show the world what they're about and i think it's i think it's so important to be you know the, the truth is any anyone that's like worth working for will more than likely check your in, as far as i've heard anyway through anecdotal information will probably check like your instagram page or facebook or whatever it be i think it's important because like i looked at my instagram and i was like i i look like a metal drummer however i really want to push into the pop industry anyone Mm. that was going to hire me in the pop industry and if they go on my instagram which more than likely they would do especially for the pop industry they want to see they want to see what you look like and they want to see your ability they're going to look on there and be like oh we're not really interested in a metal drummer and i'd be like but that's not who i am And and honestly that's really not who i am and it's just because that's kind of the guitarist i work with is predominantly into metal so the way the material that i create with him is metal based or for, for whatever reason that's that's how i come across so i definitely think yes it it already is massively important and i think it's only going to be more important however you can't get away from the fact that the music the music industry is a social industry mm-hmm. you you can't get anywhere without working with other people and being a kind person and being friendly to work with or being on time to gigs or being you know extra helpful and helping the the bass player load his stuff into his car because his amp's fucking this half the size of him and (laughs) which which, come on like images in my mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so there definitely is that um that thing of the music industry is always going to be a social thing but it just has been so like i uh, heard someone say the equivalent of you know i go back 10 years ago maybe 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 longer ago i would have done a gig and i would have met someone that i think you're someone that i want to network with or we really get along and you're a great guitarist or a great singer um let's work together again here's my business card and all that would have been on that business card is my name maybe a little picture of me my phone number and what i do which you'd have to take i could say i'm i could my business card to say the world's best drummer right and the only evidence that he has that or she has or they have of me being the world's best drummer is my business card says it so now they have the evidence right they can i can say here's my instagram account or i can give them a fucking business card with a qr code on it and they can scan that and they can go to my instagram and they can see that i'm not the world's best drummer and that i but i might be good enough for their project that they're doing and suddenly your online presence be it through instagram facebook your own website um twitch whatever wherever you're and instagram whatever tiktok or whatever i'm I'm so old i don't know all of these things this um this tiktok kind of thing um is now that's your online business card and and that's how how we network as musicians and it's it's it means that you're actually more in control of your presence because suddenly if you don't have the world's best drummer on your business card and you have something honest about the world's 950,000th best drummer and they say i'm really looking for at least the top 500,000th best drummer um you know this is the remit (laughs) um then you know that's how you promote yourself whereas now you could be in control of that and you can curate your own um percep- your own persona on 
on online presence. So it's massively important. And it's something that I think most of us by COVID have, have had to been forced to relook at because it's now the only mm-hmm. way we're networking, right? We're not we're not going out and doing function gigs and you know we're not last going to year, jams, we're not meeting exactly. new people. We have to do it online in a non creepy way. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I think, you know, like a year ago where we, you know we would, we would go to a gig and we'd meet someone and we'd be like oh cool like we really get along they see you're playing there and there you jam really well and you get a gig from that right mm-hmm. now you can't have that so the only way that you can, can prove to that guitar singer bass player keys player that you're worthy to work with in the future um, or collaborate with online is by saying, "Hey, here's here's some here's some videos of me playing," or um, send them a you know a pre-recorded thing, being like, "Oh, can you record? You know, I really love your guitar playing. Um, here's a drum track. Like, I'd love you to try and record something over it." And mm-hmm. that's you know something that I've been doing uh, as done on Monday. We um, was released with a guy called uh, Justin Woodward who is a guitarist on instagram and i did just that i saw his stuff he was doing collaborations with other drummers and i was like oh i playing the kind of music that i wanted to do and reached out to him and he's like yeah send me a groove and recorded something sent him over it and we've collaborated and now we're going to work together more mm-hmm. and you know i i wouldn't have done that um if i was out focusing on gigging or focusing on preparing for shows and things so there definitely is that you know maybe not like Maybe it's not like better than if I was out gigging, but it's certainly different, different. and it's yeah. yeah, it's you know another avenue that I really want to take hand in hand when the world does open up to gigs and weddings and things that we can mm. go out. I think most people are going to be like, I've seen how important these tools are of being able to provide remote sessions or work with other Instagram guitarists or whatever it be, and now I'm going to tag that alongside working in theatres and gigging and things like that. So I'm hoping that most people will have both um, after this as well. Well, first off, I love that you said 10 years ago you'd be giving out business cards. Like 10 years ago, I'd have been like lying in bed in my mum's house going, I don't want to go to college. Don't make me go. I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> Shut up, mum. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> bravo. But um, let's not delve too much into it because we can't predict what's going to happen. We can't predict what's going to happen next week, let alone... <laughs> like in the future of music like where do you see everything going we've spoken a bit about like the digital world is probably going to follow in like continue in its way it's not going to decelerate but um yeah what do you think what do you think is going to happen man where do you think we're going to go from here it's <laughs> a good thing um i uh I would like to say before I talk over that that I am I'm purposely staying out of touch with how things actually are. Um, okay. I don't I I just would rather be in my own element and not be so focused on the news and being like this is what's That's happening. That's cool. I happening. know loads of people yeah. that are doing the same thing. Um, I th- maybe it's something I need to consider doing. I don't know, but um, yeah, inter- it's an interesting thought to like. Okay, do I follow the news and know what's going on or do I just sit back and just go with the ride because when the gigs come back I'm going to know. That's that's kind of the way I approach it, you know. I, I'm a bit like, look, just tell me when I'm allowed out, just tell me when I'm allowed to carry on doing stuff and then I'll do it. Until then I'm going to I'm going to readdress what I'm doing now and do what I can do um until you tell me I'm allowed out again and that's fine. However, in in from what I have heard and what I'm assuming the world will look like, um I think it's I think there's certain measures that I think will either take an extremely long time to to you know not be so harsh on you know masks and hand sanitizer and all that kind of stuff that I think it's probably a good thing being in place but at the same time the hand sanitizer thing I was like oh I like that I like that that's around (laughs) not just because of covid yeah however uh and again my um my little farmer boy go play in the mud um thing and don't worry about washing your hands too much you will tell me that maybe immune systems of people will become a little bit weaker um for that kind of stuff but it's probably for the best that it means that viruses aren't going to be spread as much so i think it's going to take a long time for that kind of stuff to dissipate um and then the thing that i'm most interested to see about is um kind of working our way up to kind of like the big gigs I think, um, well, if if 
I don't know if they still are. I think after this weekend, uh, was at the time of recording, um, I think this is going to change. But um, pubs and stuff were allowing live music. I don't know if you managed to have any experience like playing live music recently. No, or... I've had a few like offers or a few things I've applied for. But again, now you've got this influx of where there was a hundred musicians going for that job. There's now a thousand, as is like the equivalent in every industry. It's happening everywhere. Um, so where before it might be like, oh, I heard you're good. Do you want a gig? It'd be like, oh, I heard you're good, but I've also got 70 other people I've heard are good. Yeah. So um, which one of you wants to fight for it? Yeah, and I mean, I suppose you have to be you have to be in it to win it in, in the kind of cliche term of like, you know, you can either be one of those 1,000 or not. Um, I would probably rather be one of those 1,000 and potentially be tro- chosen than not be and never be chosen. Um, but at the same time, it's very... yeah. Um, uh, difficult so uh, i think uh, i can i can't talk about what i think will happen i can talk about what i hope will happen but i'm hoping that um things like the small pub gigs or the little weddings the um little parties and things are going to open up to the point where you know I, a pub can afford to have a hundred people in the pub and can afford to pay a pub band or weddings are allowing more than 30 people and you don't have to be, uh, you know, two meters apart and they can have a band in the corner and can start to kind of get those gigs back. Um, kind of going up to that of like theaters and sort of bigger gigs in terms of like, you know, uh what's, what's the equivalent like not stadium gigs but like arena gigs but what's like bigger venue gigs should we just say that um I maybe that think... isn't a special term maybe just no, no, larger no. venues <laughs> larger venues so i'm hoping venues as opposed to be... small venues yeah so that's kind of i'm hoping that we can get to that point relatively soon um i was talking mm. to uh mike drum teacher about it and he he has a reasonable kind of um uh contact should we say with uh like theaters and things like that to understand you know what's kind of happening and Mm. they were talking about how if i've got my numbers right um this is anecdotal from anecdotal stuff so um i think he said something like theater theaters have to reach that capacity like the number of allowing 500 people within a venue um to for it to actually be feasible for them to open um and that might not actually be until like april 20. 22 or whatever it is so please don't say things like that my god (laughs) you know that's what i've heard from that if that makes you scared like go and do the research because i haven't i'm just i'm like cool i don't really want to know right now um just tell me when Mm -hmm. i can and i'm gonna keep going on the stuff i can do so i'm hoping personally for me that that kind of pub gig function gig stuff i'm hoping that at least that opens up relatively soon the competition Mm. will be higher because the people can't go and you know touring drummers can't go and tour so they'll be looking for those gigs as well like you said the the competition will be higher somehow higher than it already was which feels impossible but yeah so uh, yeah that's kind of what i'm hoping in in terms of Mm -hmm. timeline i had no idea no idea no idea and i don't want to guess i you know there's no there's literally no point in 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 trying to think about when yeah you're talking about how it would be more difficult for younger or newer musicians or students could you like explain what you meant by that you were speaking about it earlier well i think if i look back on like while I was at uni and just coming out, one of the things I just it crossed my mind the other day, one of the things that was so beneficial for me to do was that kind of networking of going to like West End sit-ins and stuff like that. And the idea, or if you think about it, um, that one example of West End sit-ins would be like, well, theatres have to be open, able to be open first, and then people are going to have to like to allow like a randomer to come in and sit like right next to someone that has to be there yeah is i, I just don't know when that's going to be can you even do available. a sit-in two meters away no i wouldn't thought so it'd be so, more like a sit away you'd just be like sit away yeah what, watching the it. show essentially <laughs> yeah. maybe that's what maybe that could be where it goes maybe we do skype sittings yeah which would well, be really odd yeah i'm not I, sure it's going to happen no, so so that was that was that was quite you know and even I, I i still want to do that kind of stuff and that was quite upsetting for me to be like oh man like just don't know when that's going to happen and for students who haven't had that experience yet i think that was so important for me and i think you know coming out of uni like 
if if I was if I was finishing uni like this year <laughs> um talk about kicking the teeth of being like into the real world into no world basically at the y- moment yeah or at least their perception of no world because they haven't had any experience working in it yeah so i think the thing that the advice that i would try and give to like new like students and people like wanting to get into the industry would be like you need to yes talk to people who have lived through it um but you have to remember that the world is not only so different from like you know 15 20 years ago when social media and stuff wasn't around but also now this whole new covid thing the world is is so different to even the people like me and you who have grown up with social media and um who it's kind of the norm and we we don't you know we we used to the kind of internet age obviously even we don't really understand how yeah we have that COVID fun middle ground work. of like like but back to the internet thing we have that funny world of we've been through the non-digital world and like that's when we were le- or at least me you're, you're that little bit younger than me so i was definitely learning in a non-digital world then it just suddenly transformed into a digital world so i feel like i i honestly do feel like i missed i like missed a step or something um but so then to have to have that battle already of like things are changing at a hugely fast rate because of the advances in technology like they have changed so fast i don't think 10 years ago i would be thinking oh i'm going to do a podcast over zoom and i'm going to record it and that's going to be totally fine no problem but then to add the changes that covid has introduced like it's that whole thing of asking advice from someone who knows more than you like does anyone does anyone no. really know and that's kind of my point you know, like I, I think as as students, we've had you know lessons from some very experienced players oh, who yeah. are a lot older ha- and and actually grew up and was in my position a very long time ago when the world was so different. Um, and the, the, the I'd l- like to try and put a spin on that of just being like, look, a new student coming out, the benefit of that is no one knows what the norm is, so mm-hmm. there is no right and no wrong way of doing things. So you really need to find what works for you and you need to carve your own path in the tool in the kind of world that we're allowed in and not just sit there and assume that oh because my you know 60 something year old teacher has said oh when I was your age I just went to loads of jam nights and I did this and I you know went and I wrote letters to people to sit in and I went and did this you know no no a whole new world it's literally a whole new world carve your own path and make make it work for today's age do your research and find find the areas that you want to promote yourself in and create that yourself because at the moment no one knows so you can't go and ask for advice so you have to figure it out on yourself and you're going to learn so much more by just experiencing it and trying 150 different things and finding the one thing that works for you yeah and i really think just exciting i think so i I think it it is it is very exciting like that whole there isn't a path carved out anymore it isn't like well if you do this you can do this not that there ever was with music but even more so now um it's very like very much so and I've been trying to say it more to myself as well where it's like okay all the tried and tested ways that you know Alice to get to get by and to get forward they're not going to work right now so just at the core of everything like while you're doing all this stuff like when you're trying to find students or you're trying to find gigs or whatever just keep that creativity and keep the reasons why you're doing your music whether it be you want to be an artist you want to be a function you want to be a teacher like keep that at the core of what you're doing and keep that going because it's so easy to lose direction when you don't feel like you have one yeah and and that's that's you know at the moment you know well previous prior uh, pre-covid uh when you're talking about like pathways and and ladders to different co- sort of careers within music semi non-existent you know there are okay if i do west end sit-ins and if i do amdrams i'm probably going to end I'm up on that towards path, that right yeah. you you're at least walking towards something now mm. um i'm sure there will be some of those paths still there but there is so many other paths that there's really rather than a pathway it's just a fucking massive open field right and it's just run around do what you want and eventually you'll bump into something <laughs> um and, uh, and <laughs> you know and i think for me, it took me the best bit of advice that I give all my students who are interested in the music industry. It took me about three years to realise this, that music industry, you don't know what's going to happen next week, right? You could get a phone call. For all we know, right, 
I, I think the likelihood of this is, is less than 0%. Don't say but, things like that. Like, give me some positivity, you know? Oh, uh, you'll, you'll understand why I said that. But we could say, right, cool. Um, for some reason, um, someone has said that uh, Bruno Mars is allowed on tour and he's going to do the one tour that's allowed this year. But Eric Hernandez isn't allowed to drum for him because he's broken his ankle. And someone has heard my name and they're going to give me a call and I'm going to do the Bruno Mars tour. Like I said, less than 0% chance. But we, you don't know that within the music industry. And for me, that was my that was my biggest kind uh, kind of um how can i say that was that was the biggest thing that was causing me anxiety and of not knowing what's around the corner and to put a flip on that let's say you're at a day job right and you're like right next week i gotta do this the week after same thing week after same thing same thing really dull really boring a lot of people get massively depressed because of that kind of monotony of day after day being the same thing the mucus industry is not that and by kind of flipping that it's massively exciting so yes you don't know what's going to happen around the corner but be excited by that because you don't know you you could you you know for all i know bruno mars could call me and i could be doing a bruno mars tour um direct call <laughs> yeah um or you know you just don't know where the opportunity is going to come from and find mm-hmm. find excitement in that rather than anxiety and be excited to see what happens next year and next month and next you know tomorrow and next week and try to keep walking towards things be the best person that you can be the best driver that you can be um develop all the skills that you feel passionately about push towards the things that you currently have control in but also be open to those opportunities and be excited that you don't know when all those opportunities will arise um and it could be when it could be when you're 20 it could be when you're 40 um if you keep in the game and if you keep pushing with things um those opportunities will arise and if you are ready for them and you prepare and you work hard um more opportunities will arise from those as well that's a good ending note and i think i should also leave it with just the image of people running blindly into a field seeing who they knock into So there you have it, wonderful listeners. A few words of wisdom and a few words of absolute nonsense from the lovely William Jupp. To find out more about Will, head on over to his website, www.williamjupp.com, where you will find tons of resources to help your practice, along with snippets into his life as a musician. Thanks for listening to episode two of Where Do We Go From Here? Where do we go?